0: And welcome to a lightly delayed episode 61 of Five Minutes of Rum. Notes on Rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. There's usually a bit of a delay in new episodes after each year's Tiki Oasis, and this year was not an exception, so thanks for your patience. This episode features Don Q. Anejo Rum, and I'll talk about Tim Swanky Glasner's new book, My Kai History and Mystery of the Iconic Tiki Restaurant. And these two topics will just naturally lead directly into the Derby Daiquiri cocktail. Now, before non-literally jumping into the rum for this episode, I'll briefly mention that the guys behind the Kapu Cocktail site, Brian and Neil, recently interviewed me for an article on their site. Uh, there's a link to the interview in the show notes for this episode. We met up for a nice lengthy talk that lasted well in excess of five minutes uh, at the Tonga Hut uh, before this year's Tiki Oasis. So go check it out, link in the show notes. As mentioned, this rum or this episode's rum is Don Q. Anejo. Uh, this is a aged column distilled rum from Puerto Rico. And I haven't visited Don Q on the show since way back in Episode 2, and given my current reading material, this was a good opportunity to return to Puerto Rico's Don Q. Uh, now, about Don Q the distiller, Don Q, or Don Q the company, um, as an entity, they're a rum producer, as I said, from the island of Puerto Rico. The Sorales family moved from Spain to Puerto Rico in 1820 and then started a sugarcane plantation. In 1861, Don Juan Sorales, son of Juan Sorales, the patriarch that actually moved the family to Puerto Rico, started another sugarcane plantation, and then four short years later in 1865, Juan starts distilling with a copper pot still and begins the family rum business. The Don Q brand itself is launched in 1934, post-prohibition, and as you may suspect, is indeed named for Don Quixote. Uh, the Don Q crystal rum from episode two, that was launched in 1978. Uh, that launch reflected the changing interest in spirits, uh, at least in consumer interest in spirits. So as vodka began to take hold in the late 60s and 70s, rum producers used continuous still technology to lighten their rums in both body and aroma. Uh, This distillation and filtration makes the crisp and dry style of the spirit. So that's a style that vodka was popularizing. That was already existing a style in that part of the Caribbean islands. But I think the popularity of vodka really pushed um, many other manufacturers to launch something that was going to be in that light and crisp and dry style. Now, if you think of Don Q as a newer brand, you're not wrong. Uh, The brand was reintroduced into U.S. markets in 2006, and that relaunch seems to have been pretty effective as it's been a a constant or a consistent rum to find on the shelf in the last 10 years. The parent company, Distilleria Serralis, also makes uh, Caliche, which we talked about in episode 53. Uh, So if some of this uh, history sounds familiar, well, thank you for being a loyal listener. Uh, The parent company is also a large liquor distributor in Puerto Rico, but for our purposes, let's just say that they are a large popular maker of rum from Puerto Rico. Now, when it comes to the Don Q Anejo rum itself, uh, let's get into the appearance and taste and whatnot. Uh, appearance, it's a tall, narrow bottle with a screw cap. Uh, the rum itself is golden color, uh, a little lighter than honey, but darker than straw. And when I tilt the glass, I'm not seeing much, if any, of that faint green ring that you will sometimes see that uh, is a sign of aging. So I'm guessing the aging is probably pretty light, or I would say relatively light. Uh, in terms of aroma... I uh, get wood and sugar and vanilla and a, a mild astringency, but maybe a little bit more astringency than I would, than I would expect from an A-proof rum. Uh, that nose becomes more perplexing when I actually sip the rum. So I, I took the sip, or took a sip, swirled, and, and spit it out as I'm trying to learn to do in order to condition my mouth. Uh, that's a hard habit to break but or a hard habit to start, whichever way you want to look at it, but I'm, I'm trying my best. Um after that, the sip left a, a little bit of warmth, and the first real sip did end up a little bit nicer. The, the rum is pretty mellow at first and then quick to finish on the swallow, but if you hold for like two, three seconds, the heat kind of rises back up from your throat, and there's a tingling around uh, the gums. Uh, the rum is also not too sweet, but you can taste the sugar that's that's present. And it's it's not too thin, but certainly not to be confused uh, for a heavier-bodied rum. Now, finish, like I mentioned, it's like a two-stage finish. It's you know quick to nothing at first. And then it comes back for that encore. Um, overall, it's not that long of a finish, but it is sneaky in that somewhat delayed reaction. Uh, so to sum up, I mean, my thoughts on this rum, uh, I think this is a really nice mixing rum that I wouldn't kick out of a rocks glass if it were put in front of me neat. Um, and in fact, I'm having some that way right now. Uh, it's a little more elevated than a lightly aged column still rum. So it can probably de- be deployed in, in more cocktails while retaining some of its characteristics as opposed to losing uh, being lost in a, in a cocktail. And I think it would be good in a daiquiri and maybe something like an old fashioned. Now, as with many large brands, the official website for Don Q is light on specific production details on this particular rum, but they do give a nice overview of their process for all their rums. So, as a as a refresher, molasses, water, and yeast are combined, and Don Q indicates that their yeast has been a consistent strain for the last seventy five years. We'll come back to that point in just a moment. Uh, these are fermented together and then distilled in a column still. Uh, Don Q indicates that they are uh, using a five-column still, so they're distilling five times. And again, this is what's leading to a lighter spirit with less of the impurities that come with pot still rum. Now, bear in mind, impurities does not necessarily equal bad, uh, but Don Q is striving for a different rum than a pot still rum that would be dripping with congeners. That's not what they're going for with their rums. Uh, their rum is then aged in American white oak for at least a year. The Anejo is said to be a blend of rum aged between three to eight years. So let's go ahead and call that three years of aging in the final product. Uh, and keep in mind that as um, with a great many of Caribbean rum producers, Don Q is no longer using local sugarcane for their molasses. Molasses is imported from other parts of the Caribbean. So it's really the yeast and the process that differentiates Don Q, not having local sugar. Um, a check on the Ministry of Rum site yields a couple other facts about this rum and the distiller. Uh, the fermentation time is about 36 hours, and their warehouse holds 160,000 barrels, which really sounds like a lot of barrels. Uh, where you, where to find this rum? Um, its distribution's pretty good and has been for several years. You can probably find this rum in your local liquor megamart, uh, your bevmo's, or whatever your locals um, are. It's not that difficult to find. Um, it's bottled at 80 proof, 40% alcohol by volume, and price is about $17 for a standard 750 milliliter bottling which seems exceedingly fair for a rum of this quality and versatility. Uh, For home use, think of it as occupying a spot similar to Plantation 5. It's great as a mixer, solid as a sipper, and priced at a point where you won't feel the hit if you're using it as your quote-unquote well-column-still-aged rum. Uh, If you want a couple of comparable column-still-aged rums of this type, maybe consider the Cruzon Single Barrel, that was talked about in Episode 54, and the Rondel Barrelitos Two-Star Column-Still-Aged Rum, that was talked about in Episode 39. Now let's talk a little bit about Swanky's Maikai book. That's Maikai, history and mystery of the iconic Tiki restaurant. Uh, What is this book? This is the definitive story of how the Maikai, which is the last standing true Tiki temple from Tiki's original age, uh, came to be and is written by Tim Swanky Glasner. Um, Swanky is his online persona or online name. You may know Swanky from some other projects he's been involved with, such as the Grogalizer, which is an online companion to Beach Bum Berry's cocktail books where you can rate recipes and mark your favorites. Uh, you may know him from some of the ceramics he's partnered with other artists on, such as a mini Maikai mystery bowl, which I think I've used in a, as a prop in a previous episode, uh, as well as the Molokai, a, a replication of the Molokai Bar's mermaid mast. That's a mug he made with Crazy Al. Um, or you may know him as the co-founder of the Hukulao, which is the East Coast Big Annual Tiki Event. Uh, I had the distinct pleasure of seeing Swanky give two talks on the Maikai this year as sort of a pre-release book tour because the book just came out this past month. Um, The Maikai is really so rich in history that the two talks, in fact, barely overlapped. There was uh, a lot of of uncommon ground between the two talks, if you will. The Maikai book itself focuses on the early years as the Maikai was built and opened in 1956 and kind of... You know, covers that period until about the early 70s. It, it rightly begins with Don Beach in the 30s and traces the Maikai from what Don started. Uh, the firsthand stories in the book are fantastic, as well as the images and the paper ephemera that are on the, you know, in the different chapters and different pages. Um, it's really just an amazing book, to, to even if you just were to look at it and not read the material, but then you really should read the material because it's really good also. Um, it's without, I don't want to overstate it, but it's really important that Swanky wrote this book and talked to so many of the people directly involved before they're no longer with us, because that's the kind of history you don't want to lose. Um, and it's, it's actually hard to overstate the importance of the Mai Kai within this subculture of Tiki. Um, I wrote about my experience at this year's Huki in the latest issue of Tiki Magazine and more. That's issue nine. Um, I've been fortunate enough to visit the Maikai a few times and, and in all seriousness, if you're. At all interested in this thing that we call Tiki, then you need to book two trips if you haven't taken them already a trip to the Maikai and a trip to the Tiki T, because those are the last two links, direct links to Dawn Beach. Uh, there's a few photos in the show notes uh, for this episode on on the Five Minutes of Rome website to show you the Maikai, but I know that that's not, pictures aren't really gonna do it justice. Uh, I really highly recommend the Mai Kai book. There, are, there are no recipes. This isn't, you know, this isn't a recipe book. It's not a cocktail book. That's not the purpose of it. But the stories on how the Mai Kai came to be and how it came together are are really amazing. Now, the drink, uh, the cocktail that we're going to talk about in this episode is called the Derby Daiquiri. Uh, when you read Swanky's Mai Kai book, you'll you'll read much about Mariano Liquidini, nicknamed the Houdini of the Liquids. Mariano was hired by the Thornton brothers. The Thornton brothers are the ones that built the Mai Kai. Uh, and Mariano was hired away from the Chicago, uh, Don, the beachcomber restaurant, and he was hired to build the bar and cocktail program at the Mai Kai. So as such, the Mai Kai is one of the last places where you can have a cocktail that has a direct lineage to Don beach. And the other one, as previously mentioned, was LA's own Tiki tea with the Buen family. Now, Mariano took what he knew from making Don's drinks combined with, uh, connections he got from Bob Van Dorp. Uh, Bob Van Dorp was a seating captain from Don, the beachcomber in Chicago that the Thornton brothers hired away as well. If you're noticing a thread here, uh, you, can, you can really trace a lot of what happened at the Maikai to Don the Beachcomber and his Chicago restaurant in particular. Now, Bob Van Dorp, um, he had connections that were uh, used for sourcing the same secret ingredients at the Don the Beachcomber restaurants that they used. And, and uh, Marion was able to then tweak the recipes to make them his own, his own version. So the result is you'll see and taste something very similar to the originals, but in some cases will be a little bit different. Uh, As an example, the Maikai doesn't have a Navy grog on their menu, but they have the Yeoman's grog. Uh, They're very, very similar. Um, And sometimes they differ a little bit more than others. So, for instance, the Zombie still has a similar flavor profile to the Dawn Zombie, but it's lighter than the infamous 34 version. I should probably get back to the Derby Daiquiri. Um, I'm going to ask you, uh, once again, the listener, to purchase the Maikai book for the whole story and for the other stories that are contained within it. But the gist is that a popular horse race in Florida called the Gulfstream Derby Uh, held a cocktail contest in the 50s to create a signature drink, uh, really attempting to mimic the famous Kentucky Derby's iconic mint julep. An assistant manager at the Maikai slash Rums of Puerto Rico consultant suggested that Mariano create a signature cocktail for the contest and use ingredients local to Florida, which obviously is going to mostly mean citrus. Wait, hold on for a second. Rums of Puerto Rico, what is that? Uh, rums of Puerto Rico is a division of the Puerto Rico Industrial Development Company, or as I never call it, Prideco or Pridco. Uh, it was created in 1948 to promote the sugarcane industry and craftsmanship and dedication of all the rums manufactured in Puerto Rico, lifted it directly from their site. Uh, the Rums of Puerto Rico program provides marketing incentives, which are used by the brands to advertise and promote events as part of co-branding campaigns. So in other words, Rums of Puerto Rico is a marketing lobby for Puerto Rican rums. Now, somehow or another, this Derby Daiquiri created by Mariano uh, and nudged ahead by the rums of Puerto Rico uh, associate that worked at the Maikai, somehow that drink won the contest and to the victor went the spoils. Uh, this helped pre- spread publicity for the Maikai. Um, a signature glass was created for the cocktail and Mariano's legend grew. Uh, remember, this was the early days of the Maikai and they were just getting started. Uh, read the book for a fantastic story of uh, how they took the Derby Daiquiri to Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and I'm sure there was some side benefit of all this activity for the rums of Puerto Rico contingent as well. Now, the Derby Daiquiri recipe as published uh, by uh, in Jeff Berry's books it starts with one ounce of fresh orange juice. All right, let's pause right here and talk about fresh orange juice and the type of orange to look for. Uh, this cocktail needs fresh orange juice full stop. Um, if you make it with bottled orange juice, Go ahead. I mean, you if you must, you must. But I will not entertain comments of how that isn't, it isn't that great of a cocktail if you make it that way. It was designed specifically around fl- fresh Florida citrus. Uh, when it comes to fresh orange juice, please pl- look past the shiny navel oranges that dominate your local supermarket. Look for the relatively ugly and neglected Valencia oranges. Uh, they don't look quite as nice in photographs, but they are bred for juicing, not eating out of hand, and the difference is noticeable when you're squeezing them at home. Valencia oranges are, of course, uh, were, of course, first cultivated in what is now Santa Ana in the 19th century uh, or the 1800s for those translating at home. This new hybrid or a hybrid of a sweet orange was named for Valencia, Spain, and, but did not uh, originate there. And shout out to Valencia, California, which is, as you know, now named for an orange. In the 20th century, a Florida botanist developed a virus free version, and this new version really took root. Hold for laugh. Uh, The oranges are primarily grown for juicing. As I said, they're not as photogenic as navel oranges, but they are superior when it comes to juicy applications. So look for them in your market. You may need to go to the organic section since navel oranges have squeezed out the competition in most markets. All right, getting back to the recipe, that was one ounce of fresh orange juice, one half ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of simple syrup, one and one half ounce of column still aged rum, in this case, Don Q. Anejo, and a quote-unquote handful of crushed ice. I used about a half a cup. Put everything into a kitchen or spindle blender and blend at high speed for about 15 seconds, and then pour unstrained into a cocktail glass. In a spindle blender, you won't get as finely blended ice, but I assure you it will still taste delicious. Now the taste of this cocktail, as you might expect, very fresh and refreshing. Uh, the fresh orange juice really makes the cocktail take flight and using an aged column still rum gives it just a bit more backbone. So if you have a guest that wants a slightly less of a boozy touch in this cocktail, try making it with the Don Q crystal. I have a hunch based on the published version of the recipe, uh, from Jeff Berry that this was probably made with a, a lightly aged column still rum similar to that originally, but I wanted to make it with the Don Q and So there we are. Um, as a, bonus cocktail for this episode. Um, this is really nothing more than an old-fashioned with rum, uh, but it's a good way to feature this rum while augmenting it just a little bit. Uh, so in this case, I'm going to dub this the Antiguo Fashioned, uh, and that's two ounces of Don Q Anejo Rum, one teaspoon of simple syrup, and two dashes of orange bitters. Combine those in a mixing glass with ice. Stir to chill for about 30 that's about 30 seconds, and then strain into an old-fashioned glass with a single large ice cube. Garnish that with a fresh orange peel, And if you're fortunate enough to have friends that make their own orange bitters, please use those. Alternately, I find that Angostura's orange bitters work very nicely in this application. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. Within iTunes, you can subscribe. You can rate the show. You can leave a review. Helps other people find the show. Uh, The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's at symbol, number 5 minutes of rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, and requests via the Five Minutes Rum website or on Twitter or on Instagram. And now, go get some rum.